It will be eight years this Sunday since the Marikana massacre. 34 miners were shot dead by the police during a protest over wages. This came after 10 people were killed in violence just the week before. Eight years later, there are still questions about financial aid, housing and support for the families of those who were killed. On the line is Tabasile Pumo, the Senior Vice President of Stakeholder Relations at Sibanya Stillwater. Tabasile, good afternoon. Welcome to 702. Uh, good afternoon and thank you for having me on your show and good afternoon to your listener. Now, Sibanya took over Emma Rights last year and what was then promised to the families before then and what has been fulfilled since? Because we have uh, eyewitness news, you would have heard a lot of people complaining that nothing has changed for the families of the, uh, of the miners there. Uh, thank you for that. I think it's important to to, to indeed confirm that we took over in June uh, 2019. And one of the first things we did was to engage with the families and the widows. And the promises that we made to the widows, obviously you'll recall that AMCU had started a housing uh, program uh, for the widows, but there was a balance uh, with the widows who did not receive their houses. We made a commitment that we would, by end 2020, complete those houses. Obviously, uh, on Monday, we actually handed over six houses. We would have obviously completed the other houses. And unfortunately, due to COVID, as, as most of these houses are in areas, uh, some outside South Africa, some outside province, uh, we're hoping that with the reduction of the lockdown levels, we would be in a position to actually proceed with the construction. Where we are, we have the commitment of the balance of the 13 houses from the widows. We've got the housing plans already. What we really are just waiting for now is a go-ahead in terms of identification of land, consultation of the authorities where these, some of these widows come from, because you would remember that some come from rural areas where land is normally negotiated with uh, traditional authorities. So hopefully we'll be able to be traveling out and if the borders open, we'll also be assisting the widows outside of South Africa. So we're hopeful that by the end of 2020, all of the widows would have had houses. Secondly, you will also appreciate that all the widows and or representatives of their families are employed. So mm-hmm. as we speak, there is no uh, family that is destitute from an employment perspective because we've made sure that all of them are employed. But in addition, we are paying for the education needs of all their children. We currently have six graduates. We've got about 141 uh, uh, at school, and we are taking care of all their needs from school books, boarding fees, uh, the works, if you want to call it that. And what we also understood when we engaged with them earlier in the year was the pain, and you would have seen that this week, and even our memorial lecture today was really about healing, about focusing on them, because for a lot of years, and I'm sure... All of us talk about Marigana 44, but we don't even know who these people are. So we've actually focused on them as families. We've, we've gone to engage with them on closure counseling, where we're working with the families. We all, obviously will be focusing on the children, because you can imagine the trauma that they face when year in, year out, mm. uh, the events of 2012 are repeated. So it is not a fact that the widows are destitute. It is not a fact that they're not taken care of. Uh, and we hope that as we continue to be open with our communication, uh, the public at large, 
we'll be able to see what we are doing with the widows. Looking at those 13 houses, so you can give the guarantee, like you said, by the end of this year, those houses will be built. Yeah, look, if we hadn't had COVID, we actually would have completed them and handled them, all of them. Uh, now in, in August already, we have been able to build the ones in the province uh, simply because we've been able to work within the Northwest province. But obviously going outside of province and also noting the fact that there's, a, there's consultations that need to happen, contractors that need to, to be on site. And with the recent listing, we are hopeful that we will be able to do that. So it's no longer an issue of if, it is an issue of when. I'm looking at the Sowetan newspaper and I see Sabanya Stillwater, you've taken out a big Marikana page. It says, Honor, Engage, Create. You've also named and have the names and the dates of births and dates of death as well of all the different miners on this page. Why did you name them? It, it, it goes back to my point that for the last seven years, we've been calling them either the Green Blanket Guy or the Marikana 44. We decided this year, because we've been engaging with the widows, we have been saying, acknowledge us as families. And we've really taken a route where we say, we want to recognize who they are. And in fact, tomorrow we are putting as part of our normal company process, what we call a wall of remembrance, where when you walk into Marikana, you will no longer talk about the 44, but you'll be able to see their names as you enter our building. But that is why we've put it out there, so that... The public at large can realize, yes, this was a national traumatic event, but it was people we lost, and those people have names, and you cannot honor people if you don't know who they are. And that is why we took that approach. I'm looking at that same article. It says, Honor, Engage, Create. Under, under Engage, it says, We recognize that for engagement to be meaningful and constructive, all stakeholders need to be empowered and have the capacity to engage. And we will endeavor to empower our stakeholders and provide the supports for meaningful engagement. I actually have no idea what that says. Well, what that means is you can imagine, and this has always been the narrative, that we are not engaging on an equal level. And of course, uh, that means sometimes some of the concepts that we use uh, are not necessarily the concepts that are common to communities. So what we have actually committed is we will will help capacitate local communities and the widows and our stakeholders in general by bringing capacity. It could be in the form of training. It could be in the form of resources so that we begin to engage, if I use this word loosely, as equals. So you don't find that uh, as a corporate, we talk down to communities in terminologies that they don't understand. And equally, we will capacitate ourselves as a corporate to be able to understand the cultures, the context, and the nuances of the areas in which you operate. And really our view is we want to be a good neighbor in the areas in which we operate. We want to form a social compact with the stakeholders in areas which we operate because their development is our development. And the people that Mm. we talk to when we talk to communities are employees. And you can imagine the spin-off for productivity if your employees live in an environment that is conducive. And that's really what we mean by that. I want to go back eight years, uh, 12,500 rand. If I remember correctly, I was working during that time. That was the amounts that miners wanted. What happened with their salaries? Where do they stand now in 2020? Well, I think I wish to just confirm that, yes, 12,500 was a target, but we actually have far exceeded the 12,000 mark as we speak. I'm sure you are aware 
that uh, last year we signed a wage agreement uh, between ourselves and AMCO that is far above that mark with our basic employee earning more than uh, 18000 So we are now in a situation where it's no longer just about the money. It's about ameliorating uh, the conditions within which they live. Uh, and that is why you will see that we've got an accelerated focus one on social and labor plans within communities, but also as well as we are looking at what we call alternative economic activities, which are looking at creating uh, or rather catalyzing uh, parallel economies that are supportive of mining that will create further jobs. But when you create further jobs, you are able to then improve the livelihood of the communities in which you operate, and then you have a better base upon which people can take care of themselves. Right, okay. Tabasila, just a final question. Cause for justice. Cause for those who did open fire to be prosecuted. What are the families saying to you as Sabanya Stormwater? Look, they have asked us uh, to assist with that. And you would have heard my CEO today making a commitment that we will definitely fund any process uh, that will uh, assist them to get justice. Uh, uh, where it's required. So we really are not looking for a cosmetic form of closure. We are looking for closure that will deal with all aspects of it, and we are calling on stakeholders, be they union, be they government, uh, NGOs, to join us in making sure that there's meaningful uh, closure to the families and, and other people who are affected by this tragedy. Senior Vice President of Stakeholder Relations at Sabanya Stillwater, Tabasile Pumo. Thank you so much for coming on to 702. I do appreciate you taking the time. I'd like your input on this. Eight years on after the Marikana massacre, is it not time for that investigation to happen? Is it not time for prosecutions perhaps to happen?